I'm so proud to be an American. I praise God. I thank God for this great country. I'm proud to be able to fly that American flag, too. And um, to think in my mind, as we think about that flag and what it represents. And um, we live in a country where you even have the freedom to burn it if you want. I can't imagine why you would. But we do live in a free country, and I'm thankful that we have people that do respect it. And we ought to teach our young people and our children why this is a great country. I think it's important we realize this is not an ordinary country. This is not something that's normal in the world today. We have a great attack that's uh, really that's been raging for some time now, but it seems to intensify as the days go by of attacking this country and trying to make... The young people in this country believe that this is just like any other country or believe that this country is at fault for a lot of the problems that exist in the world today. And yet this is the greatest country on the face of planet Earth. 
This country has given more to help those in need than any have in the history of mankind. This country has sent more missionaries to around the world than any other country has ever sent. This country has done more for freedom than any other country has ever done. And I think it's important that we realize how wonderful this country is. It's not perfect. It certainly is not. Perfection will not come into this world until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and sets up and rules and reigns for a thousand years. And yes, I'm looking forward to that. And then it will be the greatest country in the world that he reigns over. Until then, this is the greatest country on the face of earth. Like Ludington, here in Ludington, Michigan, we are in a great country of the United States of America. And I praise the Lord for it. And I think it's important that we make sure that we, we, we have the understanding of how this country was formed. Understanding why it is great. It's not great because it has the biggest uh, economy in the world. It's not why it's great. I mean, it's wonderful to have a lot of money and there's a lot of things. That's wonderful. All of that's great. But that's not the reason why that this country is a great country. It's not because of the money that we have. This country has the money we have, though, as a result of why it's great. It's because of what God has done in blessing this great country as to why we are so affluent. I was talking to a friend this week and talking about, you know, you look around and you see how that people have so much nowadays. And sometimes if you don't have all the affluence that maybe some others do, you think to yourself, well, why don't they give more? Why don't they live less? I can tell you this, you go to a third world country and you will understand differently about what this country actually is. When you see how little that they have because of the corruptness and you see how little they have because of the foundation they built their country was built upon greed, was built upon thievery, was built upon crookedness, was built upon something other than God and his teachings from his word and how the, the people seem to never break out of that because they, they'll never turn to God and see God bless them in a great way. I've been to third world countries and I've seen it and I'm just here to say, and I'm making testimony of this because we're talking about this country. And I want to assure you today from everything that I've seen, the traveling I've been, this country is the greatest country in the world today. And I know there are many of you that have traveled and seen the same things. And I want to assure young people, listen now, don't listen to the garbage that's being put out right now about this country. We're not perfect. There's still things that God is working in. There needs to be improvement, there's no doubt. But this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And I want you to take your Bible, if you would, turn over to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. I'd like to ask you, once you find your place, go ahead and stand up, if you would. Let's read this verse. I'll read aloud if you'll follow along there, if you would. Psalm 33, we're just going to read one verse. Psalm 33, verse number 12. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon this nation. We've truly been blessed in so many ways beyond even comprehension. And Lord, the world stands in envy of this great country in many ways. And yet, Lord, there seems to be a movement for this country to try to become just like the rest of the world. Lord, I pray that we would see the greatness that has been in the past of this country, the greatness that truly still here is in the present. And, Lord, that we would see a future of greatness because you are our Lord and our God. And, Lord, that our, our country would continue to look to you as our God. We truly would be one nation under God. I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would not be led astray by the false teaching, the false news that is in the world today. I pray, Lord, that we would know the truth. And, Lord, I pray that it truly would set us free, that we would have true freedom. I know there's forces about, Lord, that are trying to take away the freedoms we have. I pray, Lord, that we would stand strong. And, Lord, first and foremost, the freedom we have in you. Lord, I pray you'd meet with us, speak to our hearts, challenge us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Growing up, it was not a question in my mind whether this was a Christian nation. I mean, you see things around the country that aren't right. Growing up, I was born in 1969. You young people think, wow, that's old. You more mature people, you're like, man, I was graduated from college in 1969. <laughs> It's all about perspective, isn't it? But I will tell you this, when I grew up, I looked at this country and I thought, man, this is the best place in the world. 
I was, I was proud to be an American. I remember singing a song when I was just a young boy. I remember singing, I, I, I'm, a, um, I'm just a flag-waving American, a citizen I'm really proud to be. I'm just a flag-waving American, liberty, love, and red, white, and blue variety. I still remember that from years ago, and I sang it with pride because it was true. I was a flag-waving American, and I tell you what, I still am today. I'm thankful. But you know, in that day, there wasn't the attack like there was. At least I didn't see it. Maybe I was protected from it. I know there was a great movement during the Vietnam War and things like that that happened. I didn't see a lot of it. I grew up in a home. I had parents that respected this country, loved this country. They loved God more, but they, they saw how God was using this country, how God had blessed it. And I learned to love this country. And I wasn't indoctrinated with a bunch of falsehoods about the, the beginning of this country. I was taught about the beginning and how it was founded and how our founding fathers, what they believed, and I learned those things. And I, I look now today, there are so many people that are saying that our country is this, our country is that, that it's a, it's a horrible thing, that it is repressive, that, that they have done so many horrible, horrific things in the past. They're tearing down statues and they're, they're trying to rewrite history. All these things that are happening today in an attempt to try to destroy. Now, I will tell you this, this country is not perfect. There are some things our country has done that none of us would be proud of. We talked a little bit about that last week, talking about Roe versus Wade and the overturning of Roe versus Wade. By the way, I say praise the Lord once again for that. Talked about some other things that needed to be overturned in the, in the courts that happened at the Supreme Court level about as far as colored people actually being considered uh, with the same constitutional rights as everybody else. And, and it, it took some time, but they overturned that, and I'm glad they did, about there being segregation within our country. For 58 years in this great country, there was segregation. You had colored people that had to go to that bathroom and white people to this bathroom and many different things. For 58 years it stood. I'm thankful that they got it right and overturned that and made it right, that all men are created equal. That there's no difference. And I said last week, and I'll say it again, God loves everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Amen. And so I'm thankful that they've made changes like that. And some of those mistakes that were made, and I say horrific mistakes, they've had some negative impact, no doubt, on our country. There's no doubt. But I'm thankful that our country, as by and large, if you look at the foundation, they've got a lot of things right. There's so many things they got right because of the Word of God that they based what they believed on. And I began by saying that I remember growing up and not hearing anybody say anything other than this is a Christian nation. We're one nation under God. And yet as times changed, as I got a little bit older and different presidents came into presidency, and by the way, how many of y'all enjoy listening to Ronald Reagan speak? Amen. Amen. I love to hear him speak because the things that he says are so powerful and he bases it, much of what he's speaking about is right from the very word of God. And I, I love to hear him talk, and, and you know, I, I miss those days, the having presidents that would get up and talk presidential, and they would talk and, and say the truth. Back in 2009, Barack Obama said this, We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation, or a Jewish nation, or a Muslim nation, but rather a nation of citizens who are bound by ideals and a set of values. I remember hearing that. It made me angry. Now, this is not a political message. This is about the fact of looking at the forefathers, looking at how this country was founded, and talking about the lies that have been propagated lately in the news media, in the public schools, and a lot of the things that you're seeing publicly, they are trying to rip down this country in every way they possibly can. There was a great attack this past year. And you hear this president that says this. We don't consider ourselves a Christian nation, trying to be all-inclusive. You know, this country's always been all-inclusive. Did you all know that? Anybody can come to this country. Anybody can worship as they please. That's one of our freedoms, our First Amendment rights. That's built into the Constitution. There's no question about that. But to say that we're not a Christian nation, somebody hasn't read their history book or they've rewritten it. There's something wrong. So I pose the question today, is America a Christian nation? And th I want you to think about it. It's not really a rhetorical question, other than the fact I'm not asking you to answer yet. I, I want to ask you the question to think about it, though. Is America a Christian nation? Another example. Uh, several years ago, there was a national radio talk show host, and a call -in, uh, he had a show, he had a call-in listener that called up, and they were talking 
uh, about Christianity in America. Remember, he's an atheist. And as the conversation continued, the host, he said this, quote, Why do Christians think they had anything special to do with the founding of this country? Anybody who reads their history books knows that Christianity was no more involved in America's founding than any other religion. This guy doesn't know his history book. It just shows the ignorance. And here's the thing, it's willful ignorance. Here's the thing, it is ignorance that's being taught to our children today. Purposeful. On purpose. And what's so unfortunate and inaccurate about what he says, that's, that is what's exactly happening today, and it's, it's, it's throughout the land in many areas. There are going to be some that will hear the message I preach today and just sit there and go, you don't know what you're talking about. I promise you there will be. People that will be watching online, there might even be people sitting here that have been indoctrinated with the whole way of thinking today that this country is not a good country. This country is a problem. They're the ones that have caused all the problems in the world today. And I want to tell you today, I just want you to listen to some things that are quotes. And you can go, and if, if you come away today and you are challenged just to do this, now listen, if you'll go and actually look at some more history and don't pull the history that you find that has been written in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, go back and look at actual quotes of our founding fathers. That's what I encourage you to do. What came out of their mouth? There are people that can say all kinds of things about people, but listen to what people actually say. Go back and study it. You see, our nation... It has been shaped by the Judeo-Christian ethic found throughout the Bible. There's no question about that. You look at it, you can see it everywhere. We are a biblical nation from our very roots. Right from the very beginning, we are a Christian nation. But are we today? The question might be. Now to answer that question, we must define the meaning of the question itself. If being a Christian nation means that everyone is a Christian... Well, then we're not a Christian nation. But that's not the point of what we're talking about at all. Now, of course, everybody's not a Christian. It perhaps might be even people that are seated here today that would not identify themselves in knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, having a time and a place in their life when they were born again, knowing for sure they're on their way to heaven. People even seated here today might not be a Christian. And so, no, that's not the definition we're talking about. If what we're talking about when we define are we a Christian nation, if what we're talking about is that the religion of the overwhelming majority of our nation's founding fathers, and if its influence is undeniably seen in our nation's founding documents, and that the Christian ethics and moral codes were accepted as the rule for our social order, then yes, we are a Christian nation. And that is the proper definition. That's exactly what we're talking about. And there's no doubt about that. Certainly those throughout American history were not timid about this fact either. You can hear what they said. You can read their quotes. They didn't hide the fact that they believed in God. They didn't hide the fact that they, they, they believed in Jesus Christ, many of them. And I want to just share a very quick video right here, kind of an illustration to you. Let's just watch this. There's some of the founding fathers, some of the quotes. I'm going to come back to some of them. Let's watch this video real quick.
watch the, the video and you see the quotes, and there's so many more. I mean, this is just a small, small piece of it. I want to go through a few more, and I want to just, I want us to delve into it a little bit. I want to look at America in the context of Christianity and its influence on our country. And I want to be, go back, and the first thing I want us to notice this morning is America's beginnings. America's beginnings. It's safe to say that the Christian faith was involved in practically every aspect of our nation's beginnings. We see it throughout. Go back to Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus, in 1504, he wrote his reason for setting forth to discover a new land to be this, quote, I was led of the Holy Spirit to carry the message of the gospel to undiscovered lands, unquote. The Puritans, realizing the backslidden state of the Church of England, they set forth to America for the stated purpose of showing how a nation could prosper it, its citizens living under the laws of God. Under the Plymouth Charter, it says that the colony was established, quote, to advance the enlargement of the Christian religion to the glory of God Almighty. The Delaware Charter, it defines the purpose of their colony to, quote, further propagate the holy gospel. Now, just stop for a moment, okay? This is the foundational papers of these states. Imagine them saying these things, all right? Even today, imagine them talking, Delaware talking about that. We were founded to uh, propagate the holy gospel. Well, that's what they were founded. How about this? The Virginia Charter assures the right for people to live in Christian peace and instructs the people to propagate the Christian religion to such people who yet live in ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God. Rhode Island Compact. They said this, quote, We submit our persons, li lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hey, I can say amen to that. That's awesome. On July 4th in 1776, the Continental Congress, they signed what we call the Declaration of Independence, what they called it as well. But we know what that is. It states their, their they, and in that, they stated their belief in Creator God. It, this is interesting. They won't teach this in the public schools today. Before they signed the Declaration of Independence, they called the signers to prayer and fasting to the God of the Bible. Boy, wouldn't that be a, a wonderful thing if we had our Congress get together and have a big prayer meeting and fast before they decided to sign some 20,000-page bill? Wouldn't that be wonderful if they did that? Come on now. I wish they would, but they did then. Why? Why don't they do it today? Because most of them don't believe in God. Most of them don't have a relationship with God. Most of them have so far from God, they don't know what truth is. They can't speak truth. You figured that out yet? But here, they knew that, that God was their creator. They acknowledged it. You see it through the writing of what they wrote. And we, they got on their faces and prayed out, pr cried out to God. And they asked God to, to guide them and give them the, the wisdom they needed, the courage they needed, the courage to take a stand. Now think of the role of the Christian church and its pastors that, that played in America's early days. It's an interesting study. If you ever get a chance, there's, there's several different books you can read, wonderful writings of pastors and their involvement in, in literally in, the, in the, the Constitution and being part of that, the Bill of Rights. And there's many, many examples of that. I would encourage you. don't have time to talk all about today, but let me just name a few. There's a preacher. His name was Francis Bellamy. He wrote our Pledge of Allegiance. So when we pledge, there was a preacher that wrote that pledge. Another preacher, Samuel Smith, he wrote the hymn, My Country Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty. You know, you read those words and you could tell it came from a man that truly knew God and loved God. And it was a preacher that wrote it, Samuel Smith. John Leland, another preacher, he wrote the introduction of the First Amendment to the Constitution. The introduction of, preacher involved with. And so prior to the war between the states, 90% of all of America's college presidents were preachers of the gospel. Can you imagine that today? 90% of all colleges, universities, the, the, the presidents being preachers? Let me give you some examples. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Dartmouth, William and Mary, and Columbia. They were all founded by Christian preachers and church affiliation with the express intent to educate youth for Christ. That's the reason why they were started. Let me give you an example. Uh, 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 specifically, John Harvard. He was a pastor in Charleston, Massachusetts. And, and the man for whom Harvard University was named after he said this, in speaking of the purpose of Harvard University, listen to what he said. The founder of Harvard, quote, said this, that every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main ends of his life and studies. And then he says what? 
to know God in Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as a foundation of all knowledge and learning, and see that the Lord only giveth wisdom. To let everyone seriously set himself by prayer and secret to seek Christ Jesus as Lord and Master. Wow. I wish there were some churches today that would preach a message like that. Not just Harvard University, but some preachers that would preach that message today. Listen, I wish there'd be some moms and dads that would say, hey, we need to preach the truth to our kids. The foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. That was Harvard, the beginning of Harvard. All was on that foundation. How about, and their original seal, it's interesting, you ever get a chance to look it up. Now, if you don't know Latin, you won't be able to read it. I don't know Latin, but I know the interpretation. On that seal, it's still there at Harvard today. It actually, in what Latin, it says this, truth for Christ and the church. Truth for Christ and the church. All over the Harvard University, it says that in Latin. People don't know what it says. <laughs> truth for Christ and the church. How about Columbia University? It, it, they wrote that uh, their founder said this, quote, The chief things that are aimed in this college are to teach and gauge the children to know God and Jesus Christ, to love and serve Him in all sobriety. That's the reason why the college was started, to know and love God and to live a life that is in sobriety, proper thinking, proper living, under control of the Holy Spirit of God and not other substances, if you know what I'm talking about. Today's universities, that's not what they're about. You know, America's first school book, that little book that they taught and they used inside the, the elementary schools all across, across the country, they, they, it was called the New England Primer. On the cover, it had the Lord's Prayer. And by the way, you know what kind of money paid for that book? Taxes. Had the Lord's Prayer right on the front of that book. It was printed by our government. And it taught the alphabets in theological verse. Letter A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Letter B, it's heaven defined, the Bible's mind. Letter C, Christ crucified for sinners died. Wow, can you imagine in the public schools today using that to teach kids how to read? Yeah, it's, it's almost a laughing matter, but it's, just so, it's so sad. It's so sad, but that's the foundation of our country. You can't argue that fact. And, you know, if you, if you want to take out a dollar bill and look at it, I'm not asking that you would, but if you hold that dollar bill in your hand and you look at it, on the back of it is the great seal of our nation. Um, I don't think it's the seal that tells you how to find a bunch of gold, by the way. That great seal, on that seal, it's an unfinished pyramid, and above is the eye of God. And it's surrounded by the words in Latin that says this, God has smiled upon our beginnings. God has smiled upon our beginnings. Right on the dollar bill, in Latin. And since 1865, it's been purposefully printed in the center of our currency, the great words, in God we trust. And so the influence of God upon the founding of our great nation is so evident that no one who is a student of historical accuracy would reasonably be able to deny that truth. All you got to go back and do is read history. Not the rewritten history, but the true history of this country, the quotes from these great men and women and the founders of our great country. And you look at their country today. There's great denial of God. They don't want God anywhere. They want God out of everywhere. They want God out of the school. They want God out of the school so bad they won't let a coach get out and pray on the field by himself and pray to Almighty God, and they'll fire him from his job and kick him out because of separation of church and state. Hey, folks, that's not constitutional. We found out this week. I knew before that, but it finally came forward. And I praise God. And I tell you what, it was found true that you can pray in public anywhere you see fit. It is our constitutional right. By the way, when I say constitutional, it's only I say constitutional because that is a right that comes from God. And that's what our forefathers knew. Inalienable. You can't take that right away. It's something that God, our creator, has given to us. And you can pray and, and praise God for that. But that, that is a win. Praise the Lord for that. But there's such an attack on God, getting God out of the school system, getting God out of anything as far as teaching our uh, where we, origins, where we came from. Children are being taught evolution. They're being taught that they evolved from some cosmic accident. Now, some would say, well, ho, 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 he doesn't believe in evolution. We believe in science. 
There's such a thing as evolution, but not the kind of evolution they talk about. The evolution they talk about is it takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in an almighty God that created everything. With design, there's a purpose behind the de- the de- the, everything that's been created. They have their religion. They have their faith, and that's being pushed down in, in, in people. And so this all this denial of God, and I want to ask you this question, where has all this denial of God gotten us as a country? How has it affected us as a country? How has it benefited us as a country? How has it benefited the children of our country when moms and dads and, and politicians have turned their back on God? How has that helped this country? How has it helped our young people that today they don't see themselves as worth anything and the numbers are off the charts of young people that are committing suicide today? How has it helped us? How has it helped us to see a country with 62 million babies that were put to death in the womb? How has it helped our country turning away from God? How has it helped our country getting the Bible out of school and getting the gay agenda in the school? How has that helped our country? Now, some of you are going to get angry because I said the gay agenda. Yes, it is an agenda. You you cannot deny that. That doesn't mean that we don't love the people to Christ. That doesn't mean that we don't love people. God loves it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that includes anybody, for whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what I'm saying today is not hatred toward them. It's truth. And I can tell you what, when you tell people the truth, that shows you really love them. God's word tells us the problems that come as a result of many of these agendas, same-sex marriage, the destruction of the family, the institution of the family being completely trying to be destroyed and the attack that's on it. What has that gotten us in this country? How have we benefited from that? How are we a better country for it? We are on the prefaces of literally, we are right at the edge of this country not being the great country that it's been. We are in a situation where things are headed in the wrong direction. So we see America at the present. We see what it was in the past. There is much that's still good, though, about this country. I've heard some people say, I'm not proud to be an American. I'm still proud to be an American. I tell you that right now. I remember some that were in a different presidency when their wife got up and said, I'm not proud to be an American. I'm shameful to be an American. I'm still proud to be an American. We've got some issues right now. We've got some problems that we're facing right now, really, difficulties that we're going through. There's no doubt about that. There's so many things that are wonderful. But once again, like I said, there's so many attacks that are happening right now. And there, is, there seems to be such an attack. And I, I, I believe it in my heart. I'm not going to tell you that God's coming back tomorrow, but I am going to tell you this, that, that the Lord's coming back tomorrow, but the Lord could come back tomorrow. And the way things feel, it feels like we're getting awfully close. There's no doubt about that. We need to work for the night is coming. Time is short. I truly believe that. And I believe, based on what I see in the world today, it feels like the Lord could come back at any moment. And we need to be so faithful in what we're doing right now and be, be very careful that we don't miss the opportunity to be the salt and the light that God wants us to be. Because the truth is, there's the, the only hope for America's future is for us as God's people to be the salt and light that God wants us to be. Being a preserving factor. You know, the time's going to come when that trumpet's going to sound and the Lord does come back to rapture His church and the Christians are going to be removed from this world and the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. There's going to be complete control and there's not going to be any element of Christians in this world. And I can tell you, things are going to get really bad when that happens. But God has us here right now. We are to be salt and light. We are to be an agent of of preserving the truths from the Word of God and standing for what is right and, and being proud, pride, pride, uh, having pride that we are Christians, first and foremost. And, and then secondly, having pride in this great country that God has blessed so much in the past, what God has done, and believing that there is hope. You know, until the Lord comes back, there is hope for America. It's not over. That's one of the challenges that we face as Christians. We think, man, things have gotten so bad that, I mean, there's no hope. I remember thinking that to myself at times when you're challenged in your faith about whether there'll ever be a a reversal of Roe versus Wade. But praise be to God, it was overturned. God answers prayer. Praise the Lord for that. Praise be to God that I'll tell you what, it's wonderful to see that teachers don't have to worry about praying inside the public school. That they have the right to be able to do that. Praise God for godly teachers that would do that. 
praise God that we see that and that young people see they're being told that the separation of church and state means that that means that they can't have God no listen the separation of church and state if you look back at why it was written and how it was written it was always to protect the church from the state not the other way around it was to protect the church from becoming a government church like it was from the places that these people left to come to this country to have freedom of religion it was to make it to where you were not born into a certain family in a certain uh, part of town that meant you're going to be a Lutheran. Or in this part of town, that means you're going to go to that church and they're going to take out of your taxes to give to that church. Would you guys like that? You know that that's what it is in Germany today? It is. I remember years ago we had an exchange student that came here. And, and I got talking to him, and he was talking about how things are so different here with church and how that it, 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 where he lived, how that they assigned his family to what church they were going to go to. They took out of his taxes to what church it was going to go to. It was that Matis. Am I right on that? You remember that, Julie, don't you? And Matis was his name. And, you know, he was, I, I, I heard these things, and I thought, I can't even comprehend that. You know, it's a good thing we can't. It's a good thing. We live in a different country, and I praise God for the freedoms that we have, but I'm telling you this, our freedoms are being, they're going to be taken from us if we don't take a stand, if we don't do what's right, if we don't be the light and the salt that God wants us to be. Those freedoms are going to be gone. They came at a great price, and they're going to be gone if we don't take a stand. Yes, there is hope for America, and yes, there's things that we can do, and the most important thing that every one of us, as a Christian, as a child of God, that we need to do is to pray. We need to pray. I want you to look, if you would, over 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. Look there, if you would. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. I know this verse is talking about the children of Israel, but the, the same principle applies to us today. There is no question about it. There's a principle here that is so powerful and it is so relevant for the day and the age in which we live, of all age. But, it's, but today it truly applies to us. Let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian today? Say amen. amen. That means that you're Christ-like. That means that you're desiring to be like Christ. You're a follower of Christ. It was a derogatory term. Originally, when it was said in the New Testament, the very first time there in the book of Acts, it was a derogatory term. And the word that they used, it meant little Christs. They were little Christs. They were Christians. They were little, they were like children of Christ. They were followers of Christ. And it was a derogatory term that was used. But you know what? Today, it's not derogatory to me at all. For me to be called a Christian, I, I say with great pride, I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm thankful. I, that's exactly what I want to be. I want to be a little Christ. And be just like him. I want to follow after him. I, I, I'm so thankful today that I am a child of God and I am part of his people. That includes us today. And I want you to notice he says, if my people, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Let me ask you today, do you want there to be healing in this country? Man, I long for there to be healing in this country. I long for God to be able to bless this country like He once did. I'm not saying that His blessings have been completely removed, but I tell you what, it's not like it used to be. The blessings of God in this country I'm talking about. I want this country to be healed I want for there to be an understanding when young people, when they grow up, that they don't, they're not taught that they're worthless. I want them to understand how precious and how wonderful they are, that God doesn't make mistakes, that God, He made them precious, and God formed them, God made them for a reason. I long for the time when young people that would get together and, and holy matrimony. Are you all with me today? I'm not just talking about marriage by going and saying some words. I'm talking about join together in holy matrimony where the God of heaven joins you together as one. I long for the day that, that we would see where their people are together in this holy matrimony and, and mom and dad are living a life that God wants them to live and being like Christ and loving each other as they should and, and, and husbands loving their wife as Christ loved the church. I long for that. 
I long for the, the day when we would see God bring healing to our country when it, when it comes to all the, the abuses that we see in the world, in our country, the things that are happening that people never would have thought of in years past. Christians never would have gone down that road. And they get all the way over here and as close as they can get and they try to delve into things the world has known for a long time causes all kinds of problems. And yet Christians today, that's where they're headed. I long for the day. I long for the day when Christians would be a light in a dark world and get that basket off and let the light shine. I long for the day that God would heal this land, that we would see God work in a great way, that God would send revival in this country. That's where the healing is going to come from. It's from revival. Is it the revival of the lost? Is it a revival of those that are the children of the devil? It's, no, it's a revival of God's people where the change will come. If my people, which are called by my name, here's the key, shall humble themselves. I'm proud to be an American, but I tell you what, we ought to humble ourselves before a holy, righteous God and realize that He is perfect, He is holy, He is just. We are sinners. We've, yes, and if you've been saved, you're saved by God's grace, but understand who you are and, and not to, to thumb your nose at God and, and go and do what God said don't do and think that somehow you're going to escape being judged by God. Humility shall humble themselves and pray. Get on your knees. So many Christians today don't even know what it means to get on their knees. Bow their heart before God. He's a holy, righteous God. Yeah, He is an almighty God. He is worthy of us completely falling, prostrate before Him and worshiping Him. Acknowledging Him for who He is. Humility and acknowledging the sin in our life. Humility and acknowledging that, yeah, hey, that politician's got it wrong, and that person's doing it wrong, and that person's doing it wrong, and they're doing it wrong. What we need to do is look at our own hearts. What is it in our life that God would, would bring to our heart if we would truly humble ourselves and get on our knees before God and say, God, please show me. You say, well, I want revival, but it starts over there. No, no, no. Revival starts right here. humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, turn, repentance, turn, repentance, turn to God, asking for forgiveness, not just words, change in behavior, change in direction, change in heart, change in belief, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. What sin? My people, the people that are called by His name, God's people, getting on their knees and asking God and God, then He says, I'll forgive, I'll forgive, and that's where healing comes. You want healing in this country? We as God's people, we need to get a hold of this verse. We as God's people, we need to humble ourselves. We as God's people need to get on our face before God and seek Him and cry out to Him, making sure there's nothing between us and Him and saying, God, I want to make sure there's nothing between me and you. God, thank you for forgiving me. God, I confess this to you. And then say, God, please help this country. God, we need you. God, please help this country. My grandbabies need you. Our children need you. God, please help this country. We need a president of this country that's going to fear you. A God that, that, a God that is all-powerful, that he understands that he's nothing more than a man that can be used by you, that will fear you, that will, will surrender himself to you. That's what we need. Not just words to a man's mouth, but what he actually believes not just some slogan that he says along the trail as he's trying to get elected, but somebody that is real in their heart. We need to ask God, cry out to God. Cry out to God, God, please change these schools. God, I pray that your word would be taught once again. We think it can't happen, but folks, I never thought that Roe versus Wade would ever be overturned. We think it can't happen. Now, meanwhile, my kids aren't going to be indoctrinated in that school, I can tell you that, but I'm going to pray that God will change those schools. I'm going to pray that God will. 
We have to pray. It's the most important thing. We have to be heard. We have to participate. We have to be involved in the process. What does our country need? It needs people that have cried out to God, humbly before Him, confessing their sins, seeking His face, asking God to make changes, and then get out and vote. Be that salt that God wants you to be. Be that light that God wants you to be. And don't vote with your pocketbook. Get involved. Psalm 33, 12 once again says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I want to draw this down to a very simple question today. Who is your Lord? Who is your Lord? Who sits on the throne of your heart? Who is in control of what you do and don't do? Who is your Lord? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for being an amazing God, a loving God, a gracious God, merciful. And yet you're holy and you're just. You're always right. You're our creator. You've created us for a purpose. And Lord, I thank you today for even though that man fell and sinned, Lord, that you made it possible for us to be reconciled unto you through your son, Jesus Christ, paying our sin debt. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord, today, that we would first of all and foremost make sure that we know you as our personal Savior. And then, Lord, as we say, yes, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, Lord, that we would truly be Christ-like. We'd humble ourselves before you. seek you. Lord, that you send revival in our hearts. Lord, challenge us now, I pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to begin with asking this question. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Was there a time and a place in your life when you were born again? You knew you were a sinner. You knew what the Bible said. There's none righteous, no, not one. You knew that was you. You never... You never did right all the time. You couldn't do it. You believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that He paid your sin debt, that God, He demonstrated His love toward you, and that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And you can go back to that moment in your life when you believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you and that He rose again, and with your mouth you confessed, and you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He forgave you. He came into your life. You became a child of God. And you say, yes, I know I'm saved and on my way to heaven. I have no doubt based on the promise of God's word. Lift your hand up if that's your testimony. You say, yes, I know I'm saved. God bless you. me. Put your hands down. You might be here this morning. You don't have that peace. I mean, what if you were to die this day? What if this was your last day on earth? Where would you spend eternity? Where would you go? You might be here this morning and the thought of that brings doubt. Perhaps fear. Is God speaking to your heart right now? You might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Could I pray for you right now? Would you just acknowledge that? Would you just lift your hand up? Nobody looking around. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. But you say, I don't have that peace. Would you just slip your hand up? Could I pray for you today? You say, I don't have that peace. Do you know for sure? If you don't, God wants you to know today. Would you just slip your hand up and say, I don't have that peace. don't know for sure. Christian, has God spoken to your heart this morning? This morning, the invitation is very simple. Is he Lord? Would you just say to God today, I want you to be Lord of my life. Would you just surrender everything to him now? Would you humble yourself before God? 
Would you come and pray at this altar and kneel before God and say, God, please send revival. Start it right in my heart. Lord, help me to see the truth. Lord, remove anything. Help me to see, Lord, what, what in my life I need to confess. And then say, Lord, please send revival. Would you come to the altar and pray for our country? Would you pray for there to be a change, for, for God truly to be at the center of what our country is founded upon right now, what we're building right now, in our home, in your marriage, in that relationship? Would you put Him as the Lord of your life? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. God speaking to your heart. I want to invite you. Would you come? Lord, I pray you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we as your people would humble ourselves and pray. Seeking your face. Turning. Where repentance is needed, Lord, I pray that there would be repentance. Lord, I pray for our country. Lord, I pray for our families. I pray for the couples that are here. Lord, I pray that we would see revival. Lord, I pray that we would see true holy matrimony. You at the center. You as the foundation of our life. For everything we do. Lord, speak to our hearts now. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, many have come. Would you come and pray? Would you come pray for us?